You're listening to The Nut, another wrestling podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome back to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. If you watched Saudi Mania, Blood Money Pay-Per-View, Super Showdown, Crown Jewel, whatever these bullshit shows are called, oh boy, you are in for a rant today. <laughs> I'd like to welcome my good friend Nate to the podcast, first time guest. Uh, guest Nate, how you doing? I'm doing very, very well. Very excited for this. We had a conversation uh earlier today about like oh what are we going to discuss for the uh, AEW and then the Saudi show happened and you texted me like oh, oh boy yeah this has to discuss this man. this this was mainly just going to be an AEW um sh- uh, episode because we were I, I texted Nate a few months ago or about a month ago saying hey do you want to be on the show for for the revolution predictions he's like yeah sure of course uh, Nate's a regular listener of the podcast, and um, and I know, um, r- real quickly before we get to this whole little thing that happened today, um, I met you back in, just this past summer, right? Back in like July, whatever it was? Yeah, yeah, I was in a production of Little Shop of Horrors with your sister, mm-hmm. and I went to her graduation party, um, got belligerently drunk, <laughs> I, and I walked in to you looking for... I believe it was Fighter Fest. Fi- uh, yeah, Fighter Fest. That was, was mm-hmm. whatever was going on that time, and I was just like, "Oh, dude, do you like wrestling? Like, do you watch Lucha Underground?" You were like, "You know Lucha Underground." I, I was, like, <laughs> I was very surprised by Lucha Underground, and I started asking you like more questions about wrestling. You're like, "My," and you're like, "My knowledge kind of stops like here." Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but no, but yeah, we were watching, and then you watched a little bit of Fighter Fest with me, and then we we were watching. Um, I think. This was the main event. It was uh, Omega and the Bucks versus uh, the Lucha Bros and Ladero Kid, I think his name was. I'm going to be honest. I really don't remember. I I've... passed out <laughs> okay. on your floor. <laughs> I, on my dad's girlfriend's floor. No, I know. But yeah, but yeah. no, but yeah, that's when I met you, and we, we kept in contact since then. We've become friends ourselves. And, um, and since then, like, you saw AEW, and you figure, like, you know, like, I think, like, you kind of used to be a wrestling fan, but now, like, AEW's kind of brought you back in. Am I right? Absolutely. Um, I mean, you and this podcast were also a big part of it, but I, I, along with you and a couple other friends, um, that like have been into wrestling for a while, I kind of dropped off around like 2006, 2007. And I saw AEW. I was like, okay, this is fresh. This is new. This is different. I'm going to try, you know, to keep up with this and, you know, more and more progressively, I've been keeping up every week. And that has sort of led me to like, start getting back into the WWE stuff again. And it's just, it's honestly just really exciting to be a wrestling fan again because, uh, you know, given some stories aside, it's almost as good as it's ever been. So I'm very excited. Yeah, from the in-ring standpoint, it is the best it's ever been. But considering what happened with today with uh, with Saudi Mania, uh, well, <laughs> anyway, so let's just let's just get right into that. So, um, typically. On a Thursday afternoon, I'm at work, but I've been struggling with a bit of a cold the past couple of days, so I decided, and I've been very outspoken on this podcast saying, I hate these Saudi shows. I hate them so much, but 
there were a few things I was interested in. I'm like, you know, I am actually really interested to see what happens with Brock and Ricochet. I, I hope they give Ricochet, like, a good showing against Brock because I think they could actually have a really great match together. And I was going to watch for Fiend and Goldberg because I was just, I'm just generally worried about the Fiend and Goldberg, um, about what they're going to do there. And there were some other matches on the card that looked pretty decent, like um, The Miz and uh, Morrison versus New Day. That was a pretty fun match. Uh, Mansoor and Dolph Ziggler was a, was a, was a good match. Uh, we'll touch briefly that he kind of missed that moonsault. Michael Cole just going, yeah. he got, Mansoor got the knees. He got the knees on Ziggler. Like, did he? Like, yeah, uh, no, we'll uh, just go. Let's yeah. let's just roll with it. Let's yeah. roll with it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Mansoor's great. Um, but he's kind of like this guy who's just like you know, they're that friend where it's just like you see him at like a birthday party or something. Like, oh my, and you and you and you reminisce like, oh my god, like this was so great. Like, we got to see each other. We can't just wait for the next time this happens for this birthday, and then you don't see that person for a year, and the same thing happened. Like, this is kind of Mansoor with these Saudi shows. Like, oh, he's really good. Let's put him on the Saudi show. Let's give him some more stuff, and they don't do anything with him. Um, oh. Yeah, of course. I mean, that that friend you were describing at the birthday party is, describes like a hundred people in my life. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think Mansoor is pretty good, and you know, maybe just give him a little more rub. Like, I don't know, put him on NXT or something. Give him some practice. Give him something because, like, that he had some nice spots in there. That like that little run up the ropes DDT he had. Like, I mm-hmm. thought that was cool. Like, I was like, what is he? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that he's okay. He's pretty good, and I th- and I think Dolph was the right guy to put him in there with to make him look good, because uh, mm-hmm. Dolph because Dolph Ziggler. I mean, I mean, maybe they don't book they really don't book him that well and don't really get the guy, but they do see him as a good hand and to help other people get over. So, so I that agree. was that was that was good for him. Yeah. Really, the only thing like he like he was a similar size. He's. Definitely, he's absolutely a heel. But the only thing he's got going right now for him was like the thing with Mandy Rose and Otis, which is a a completely Ooh, other thing. That's, but that's, that's a day for another podcast. Nah, yeah, that, well, that's, well, that's another that son of a bitch, Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> anyway, so the main points I wanted to get into uh, with the Saudi Arabia show was Brock Lesnar squashing Rick- Ricochet, Ugh. and the thing we feared most. Bill Goldberg becoming the new Universal Champion. I want you to repeat that sentence again. Bill Goldberg is the new Universal Champion. What year is it? It's 2020. Okay. Yes. Yes. WCW has been long gone. (laughs) Bill Goldberg is like 57. He's an old man, and he beat the hottest thing in the WWE right now. Um. All right. When when this initially happened, I was furious. I just screamed <laughs> at the top of my lungs, "Son of a bitch!" And my sister, Rachel, as you know her, she's like, "Why? Mm-hmm. What happened?" I'm like, "No, nothing, nothing." Because I knew if I said like if I tried to explain to her, she's like, "It's wrestling. It's stupid. Get over it." <laughs> she that, tells me that all the time. She, she would she would just say that to me. So I figured it's better just to like not even say, but. I know I was texting you. I was messaging my uh, my buddy, my one of my best friends, Joe, who's been on this podcast a few times, who actually here on this podcast last week. Um, you know, just saying that you know th- he missed the main event. He's like, I missed it. What happened? And it's like I'm like Goldberg. That's what happened. He's like, No, they didn't. I'm like, No, I'm not kidding. Look, and I and I <laughs> took a picture of like with like from Twitter the picture of him holding the belt on the turnbuckle. He's like, He's like, You got to be kidding me. So a few about. 
half hour, 45 minutes later, he sends me a picture of him screenshotting that he canceled his WWE Network subscription. <laughs> and I'm I like, saw many pictures on Twitter like that. I'm like, wow. I'm like, I'm sure you're not the only one. He's like, I'm not going to give them money if the pro- if they're going to be doing shit like this. I'm not going to be contributing to the problem. Until I see some change that I like, then I'm not going to give them anything. He's like, I might not even watch Mania this year. And that's crazy to say because there are a lot of cool things happening at Mania potentially. I mean, I know we got Brock and Drew. Definitely going to get Randy Orton and Edge. Um, you know, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Rhea, that might be what I'm looking forward to most. Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. And, you know, uh, 99% sure that we're going to get Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch. Another great, another match should be really great. But it's this one thing that they have done in this show to completely get our to just smash on all our hopes. So yeah, I was reading a thread from uh, uh, Nate. I don't know if you're familiar with the YouTube channel Cultaholic. Uh briefly familiar. I watch a little more what culture, but I know they're sort of related somehow. Yeah. So the thing with them real quickly is that, um, Adam Pacitti, uh, Ross Twiddell, uh, Jack, the jobber and, uh, Sam driver. They were all a part of what culture with Adam Blompied and they left to, uh, start cultaholic. But then Adam Blompied had a bit of a scandal. He was, um, it's a messy situation. I'll let you like look it up. Long story short of it I'll, is that I'll Google it in my own time. Yeah, long story short of it is that the Adam Pacitti, Sam Driver, Ross Twiddell, and Jack the Jobbers continue the channel, and um, it's their own thing. They kind of got out of what culture, which definitely check out their their stuff and what and uh, Wrestle Talk stuff. They're both are great YouTube channels for wrestling. Um, okay, we'll do. And I uh, screenshotted a few tweets from Sam Driver today, who's a big Bill Goldberg fan and a big fan of the Fiend. He says, all right, Thread, I don't think WWE ruined The Fiend. Was he going to hold the belt forever? No. Was Goldberg the best choice? Hell no. Not in a million years. But I feel this frees him up almost inconsequently inconsequently, to have more amazing storylines. He hasn't been beaten by any active roster member. And there's going to come a day where the legends are no longer dipping in and out. Bray wasn't beaten by an active megastar, which means that we can space out his program with people like Roman over longer periods of time rather than having Roman deck him and flat uh, and that being that within like a year of the Fiend debuting. Instead, we can have him tear through the entire roster over several years and tell some amazing stories. Bray is so organically over that he doesn't need the title. I firmly believe this will show in, in the coming months. He's looking a bit more long-term and being more optimistic, but I'm seeing things like uh, Sean, Sean Ross Stapp of Fightful saying, LMAO, they com- they have absolutely effed Bray Wyatt and The Fiend beyond recognition. Hottest thing in wrestling six months ago. And Ryan Satin, um, I think he writes for Pro Wrestling Sheet, Jokes aside, I understand Goldberg is a bigger name than The Fiend Bray Wyatt, but nights like tonight are why Wyatt had to go away for months and recreate his whole character, which was already awesome because he lost against big the big names. Now they're doing it to him again. So there are two sides to that coin and, and those points. And uh, Sam Driver from Cultaholic and, Son, and Sean Ross Stapp, I'm sorry, uh, Ryan Satin, make, both make valid points. Um. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, oh, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. 
No, I, I, I was just saying, like, as, as a casual fan, as I've, as I've mentioned before of WWE, I look at someone like The Fiend and, you know, basically what he's done is the, he's this, you know, unstoppable wrecking machine. And I, and I understand what they're looking at in terms of long term, but he, seeing someone like Goldberg beat Bray Wyatt, it, it, it reiterates, you know, in my mind, like, what is, what are we doing with him? Like, where is this leading eventually like what is his weakness like if he's able to take out daniel bryan and all these guys so easily and then three spears and a very underwhelming jackknife later like Mm. i'm i'm just at a loss as to what they're thinking maybe i'm not putting this into the best words but no it it just you're no you're making sense you're making sense and the thing is is that we I also saw there's something also from Tyler Breeze in that thread where it says Bill probably got a hernia from this with the <laughs> with the um, the jackknife. The jackknife. Um, so it made me think. My initial reaction is this is bullshit. All this for a effing spear off between Roman and Goldberg at Mania. Um, I get uh, Sam Driver's points. And to the point is that The Fiend never really needed the belt. He never really needed the title. And that's true. The Fiend never really needed the title. But at the same time, if you're going to go all in with a guy, if you're going to go balls to the walls and be like, all right, this guy's the hottest guy, let's put the title on him, which is a mentality you've had back in the day, just go with it. Um, I get Goldberg being the bigger name and everything, but it's like the tweet I read from Ryan Satin. It is nights like this that Bray had to leave in the first place to go and recreate his character. Nani, I know you were gone for... You weren't really watching when Bray Wyatt was kind of like in the beginning, but in the beginning, Bray Wyatt's character was like this, this cult leader, Bray Wyatt, and in the beginning, he was just... Character-wise, he was the most interesting thing going on in the WWE, and they had him face John Cena at WrestleMania 30, and that's when things started going downhill. They had him start losing to big names. The Wyatt family just didn't make any sense. They didn't know what to do with him. They didn't know what to do with Debray. He had these babbling, rambling promos, and no one knew what the hell he was talking about, and no one took him seriously because he could never win any matches. And then all this time later, here he comes. He's he's reinvented himself. He has this amazing character, this amazing re-debut. In my opinion, the greatest re-debut of any wrestler ever with that match he had against uh, Finn Balor at SummerSlam last year. And it is the hottest thing going. He's a great... He's, uh, it's, he's one of the highest... Uh, he was the number one merch seller at one point. Um, and it makes me wonder... If your original plan was to go with Roman and Bray to Mania and Roman beats him, I'm okay with that. A lot of people are probably not okay with Roman Reigns beating the Fiend at WrestleMania for the title. Of like, oh, because Roman doesn't need the win. And no, he doesn't. But I was more okay with it because at that point, Roman was going to be out of the title picture for like more than a year and a half after he had announced that he had leukemia and he was dropping the Universal Championship to go battle cancer. It's a great story in the way of like, you know, he gets a title he didn't, he never lost and he beats an unbeatable monster. But again, at the same time, why would you just waste all this time building on The Fiend just to drop it to Goldberg. <coughs> Excuse me. It just doesn't make any sense to me. 
Yeah, me, me neither. And that goes back to just what I'm saying as a casual fan. You know, like, all we see is this big, unstoppable monster. Um, and it just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, basically what you said to a T is just my feelings on it. I also think that if... No, also, but here's what I'm trying to say. Is that in 20 years, if WWE doesn't try and make any of their current guys feel like as big of a deal as a Bill Goldberg or a Brock Lesnar or The Undertaker, they're not going to be able to do this. Right now, Roman Reigns is not a guy I can see in 20 years to come and beat a, to be a part-time guy and get the same reactions as a Bill Goldberg or Brock Lesnar. Seth Rollins is not going to be one of those guys. Bray Wyatt, AJ Styles. As much as I think all these guys are great in the ring and as fans of these guys I can be, I mean, I love AJ, I love Bray, I love Seth. Uh, Roman's booking has been hit or miss, but I like Roman Reigns as a wrestler. But if you don't do anything to try and make these guys feel like a big deal, you're not going to be able to do these things again. And that's the problem with WWE relying too much on their nostalgia. And if they still want to do Roman Reigns versus Goldberg, they don't need the belt to be in the program for Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. You don't need to do it. It does. It's a big enough match that it doesn't need the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm calling it right now. As long as as long as Vince McMahon's in the picture, twenty years down the road, WrestleMania fifty six, it'll be. They're just going to husk out the the hundred year old corpses of Undertaker <laughs> and The Rock and just throw them into a match together. Old man fight Kane. They're throwing wheelchairs and it's everyone's going like, to go. You have you have to you have to make new stars. That's what keeps the wrestling business going. You have to make new stars and you have to make people feel larger than life. And the the last person they did that with was John Cena. He's the last person they did it with. I was just about to say he's the only one I could see uh, hypothetically speaking in that 20-year period where if you want to bring a guy back, he's about the only one because Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, um, you know AJ AJ Styles maybe, but it's but here's the they thing don't AJ's big AJ's already name on them. AJ's already in his early forties, and Cena, oh really yeah and Cena's in his early forties too. So in tw- in twenty years they're going to be in their sixties. You can't bring Cena and and AJ in their in their sixties. AJ, I mean, or, that, I, that, that's what they're trying to do with Taker now, and he doesn't look AJ, great. I, mean, take, I know Taker's pushing sixty, and he's been a lot. He's his body's been through a lot. I mean, granted, what they did with with, with Taker tonight was just that was just a set of his mania match against AJ, which I'm excited for. I'm I'm all for Taker and AJ because I think AJ Styles can be the guy to bring Undertaker to like one last really great match, you know. He was having these really great Mania matches against Shawn Michaels and Triple H, and at one point they kind of dipped down. But I think AJ Styles can really bring uh, Taker to a, a one last amazing match at Mania, uh, and it's definitely something you want to try and do before Taker's done and before AJ's done. Because in this current contract, uh, once it's done, AJ's done wrestling. Really? Has he said that? Yeah, he's publicly said that he. A while ago, there were rumors about rumor speculation that he may go to AEW because WWE was trying to get him on a five-year contract. He's like, no, I want a three-year contract, and I want a contract similar to Randy Orton, where you don't use me on all the house shows, and you don't need me as much. 
Um, and that's kind of what AJ has right now because he's, you know, he has kids and he wants to, they're kind of young, but he wants to see them grow up. Essentially he wants to be there and being on the road all the time doesn't necessarily work out. Um, again, I think AJ is like 42 or 43. So yeah, well, respect to him, man, that, that just means WWE better, you know, take advantage of him when that, while they can. So. I mean, I mean, eventually he got what he wanted. He, he did get the three-year contract, not the five-year contract, because the five-year contract is the is the standard they're doing to try and lock people in to not go anywhere else. Sounds makes sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think overall, kind of getting off topic a bit, but I think overall, Bray Wyatt did this ruin him? Not necessarily. It, it, it hurt, yeah, exactly. It, it hurt him. It didn't ruin him, but it hurt him. I know in the match they tried. I could see what they were trying to do. They had him kick out of four spears, and he got right back up after he lost the match. And it seemed like he was going to do something, but then the lights went off and he was gone. I don't there know. Was a point, Go ahead. There was a point. Sorry to cut you off. There was a point in that match where like he hits like his second or third spear and he kicks out. And Goldberg's just got this, like, what? Like, how, yeah. how do we, what? And that's the point where I was like, all right, this is just going to be another, you know. They're just going to continue with, with Bray. And just like, you know what? We just need one more spirit. That'll do it. Yeah, I, I was thinking part of the mat, part of me was like, you know, maybe they, because the first spear, he kicked, he kicked out and, and, and the ref didn't even hit the one yet. So that made me think, like, Oh, maybe they're gonna make Bray like super strong and just you know no sell everything, but evidently not. But anyway, Bray Wyatt. I mean, apparently, I, I think his match in the works, according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer, is that he'll be facing John Cena at WrestleMania this year. Um, Cena is scheduled to to make his return as of this time of recording tomorrow night's Friday Night SmackDown episode, February twenty eighth. We're recording this on the twenty seventh, the day of. Super Showdown, hours later. And Cena is supposed to come back. And originally, apparently, his opponent was supposed to be against Elias. Now, nothing against John, Elias. John Cena? Yeah, I mean, they've had, okay. hist- they've, had, they've had history before. Last year's Mania, he sh- like Elias was supposed to be the musical guest, and then they used it to kind of bring back Cena's old gimmick as Do- Dr. Thugonomics last year's Mania, which was really cool. I loved seeing that. Excuse me. Um, But the thing is, it's kind of underwhelming for John Cena to come back and face Elias. I like Elias, but he's kind of dipped down and people have kind of stopped caring about him. Um, A lot of people online were saying Velveteen Dream from NXT. Um, Ooh, I would watch that. I I would love if it was Velveteen Dream. I would love it to be Johnny Gargano. Um, But... If there is one guy in the current roster who could use a big rub from a guy like John Cena, right now it is the Fiend. And if you're not going to have him win back the championship from Goldberg, then I think he should face Cena at Mania, and I think he should win. And if they do the Fiend versus John Cena at Mania, and if he and if the Fiend loses, then you have completely, <laughs> utterly here's the f bomb fucked Bray Wyatt. <laughs> we we got in the one, folks. <laughs> so there it is. Um, <coughs> excuse, excuse, pardon me too. Oh God, we both sound awful. No, I know, man. I've been this cold has been a real pain in the ass trying to trying to battle it, and I haven't been doing too much talking today, and I just realized doing this podcast is making me sound more froggy. But anyway, 
Um, the other thing, real quickly, we'll get into is because uh, I think we spent a lot of time on uh, the fiend and Goldberg. Is uh, Ricochet just being completely squashed by a like a bug by Lesnar? <laughs> it was this. This was ridiculous, almost to the to the point of comedy. It, it was comical. We got yeah, in a way. The the, the start Ricochet trying to get off to a quick start, and and literally Lesnar slapping him like a fly at a barbecue. Ooh. <laughs> Great analogy. <laughs> German suplex. Into German suplex, into German suplex. Into an F5. Into F5. One, two, three. One minute, 28 seconds. Is you, this really... You timed this... it. No, someone on Twitter timed it. Oh, okay. No, but uh, I'll, I'll let you start on this one. I I mean, I love Ricochet. I, I mentioned this off mic with you that he's been one of my favorite wrestlers for past few years um i think the match he had with will osprey a few years ago was absolutely amazing in new japan put both of them on the map and when he came to wwe i was worried but his nxt run was fantastic i loved his nxt run i got to see him and adam cole at uh, barclays center for takeover brooklyn four when he won the north american championship um Ricochet just legitimately is one of the most amazing, most fun, one of the best wrestlers in the world. And he's one of those guys who has innovated and has elevated like high-flying wrestling. And he's absolutely incredible. Um, I was worried for someone like him to get on the main roster of Raw and SmackDown because they may not get a guy like Ricochet. I mean, a, a, a few years ago, there was a feud between Baron Corbin and Finn Balor, and the whole feud was... Baron Corbin going, oh, I'm tall, you're short, let's have a wrestling match. That's essentially it. I was worried that the build for this match was going to be that, you know, because the build for this match was nothing. It was not getting me invested in this match at all. But in the back of my mind, I was always just like, okay, they may not be able to have a great build with this, but I think that Ricochet and Lesnar can have a great match because we've seen Brock have great matches against CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Rey Mysterio. Brock works really great with the smaller guys. But it's like you said, Nate, like a minute and 28 seconds, a bunch of German suplexes, and at five, and then that's it. He didn't get to do anything at all, Ricochet. It, it just it, it just seemed silly. Like the the, the hype package for it. <laughs> For this for this match was longer than the match itself. Yeah, it was longer than the match. Like yeah, I, and, and just coming from sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, go ahead. But you know, as I mentioned a bunch of times on the, on this on this podcast, like I, I'm not too familiar with a ton of the WWE guys, but seeing you know what little build there was for this match, like like oh, it's I've I've always dreamed of being the WWE champion. Everyone has said I can't do it. And now I'm here. I'm in Saudi Arabia against the Beast Brock Lesnar. Let's just see, you know, why not me? I was like, you know what? I, but, I don't think it's going to be you, but let's let's just see what happened. But that, it's like that when got you, me in my chair. When you had that video package, it I know, it's like okay, they played up on the fact that yeah, Ricochet's not going to beat Lesnar. But with the video package I saw, I'm like, you know, I think this is still going to be a really competitive match. And Ricochet is going to go the distance. He's not going to win, but he's going to go the distance. And he's going to get close. No, we got none of that. None of that. It's like, 
I don't know. That just that just really pisses me off. I'm like, why would you do that to a guy like Ricochet? And and, and in their mind, like in Vince McMahon's mind, it, it like in his mind, Ricochet is getting the rub just by being in the ring with Lesnar and losing to Lesnar. No, he didn't get the rub from Lesnar. Because he didn't get to have any offense in. Finn Balor got the rub last year at the Royal Rumble because he had a great competitive match with with Brock Lesnar. Ricochet didn't get anything. Ricochet got bullshit. If your match against the number one guy becomes a meme, that is not the rub you're looking for. No, it it did not do him any favors. Look, we all want to see Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar for the championship at Mania. We all want to see that. After the Royal Rumble. We all want to see that. But you have to try and make us believe... a. Li- we know Ricochet wasn't going to win. We know. But it's a matter of him make- looking good. That's the thing in a wrestling feud. You're supposed to do it... Sure, one guy is eventually going to win the feud. But it's a way to get both guys over and set them up for something else down the line. I said a few weeks ago with the whole Buddy Murphy... Well, now Murphy. Uh, Alistair Black feud. <laughs> Alistair Black beat Buddy Murphy in their feud. And Buddy Murphy was so distraught that he just sat at ringside for the rest of the show. And when that main event happened between uh, Owens and Joe and Big Show against the AOP and Rollins, Rollins was pleading with Murphy to help and he did and look at buddy look at Murphy now he's in this <laughs> faction with Rollins and the AOP like they're like I love that I love that he that they're doing this because Rollins is now a guy he said in interviews that he's wanted to be the what Triple H did for him he wants to do for other guys so he's had his eye on Buddy Murphy for a long time and he thinks the AOP is a great tag team and I he's like but I think they need some guidance as to where they can go next um, and then Aleister Black won the feud. Sure, he was kind of teetering, but now he's going to be having a match with AJ Styles on Monday. I'm like, this is what you do. You're, even though one guy lost the feud, he's set up for what he's doing next. And that's what a wrestling feud's supposed to do. This didn't do that for Ricochet. You hit the nail right on the head, man. Like, what do you, what do you even do after this? I, I guarantee you there's going to be a promo like, Oh, the the match against Brock Lesnar like really put my life into perspective and really gave me a newfound mode. Like, where did okay? What now? Though I, I don't know. You know. I I imagine I don't. Raw's definitely not going to have like an elimination chamber match because for the for the WWE Championship because we all know it's Drew facing Brock Lesnar, but SmackDown's getting one for the Universal Championship. Raw's getting one for the Raw Women's Championship. And I believe SmackDown is getting one for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think we're going to have like three Elimination Chamber matches in one night. Um, it's confirmed that the men's SmackDown and the women's Raw are getting one. But um, for me, I mean, a while ago I said I think a fatal four-way between Mysterio, Garza, Virgil Carrillo, and Andrade at Mania would be really great. But but you know what I would do now? Ladder match, dude. Ladder match, U.S. title. Mysterio, Garza, Carrillo, Andrade. Uh, There's always Rick, space for a ladder match. Rick, yeah, Ricochet, Buddy Murphy, <laughs> Alistair Black. You know, have like six to eight guys in one ring, and just because ladder matches at Mania prove that they're like, especially multi-man ladder matches at Mania are proven to be a successful thing. They've had a great, couple great IC title matches at Mania for ladder matches at 31 and 32. The Money in the Bank ladder match before it became a pay-per-view were great ladder matches. 
Put all these guys in one match, and it'll be phenomenal. And even if one person wins, everybody else loses, it doesn't matter. Because if the match is great, every guy's going to look great in the process. And that was the Absolutely, problem. man. That was the problem here with Brock and Ricochet. The match was not great, and neither guy, and only one guy looked good coming out of it. That's the thing. In Vince, you know, oh, we got to make Brock Lesnar look, look, look stronger than he already <laughs> Like, was this... Like, did this really make him look that much stronger? It wasn't necessary. It was not necessary at all. We already know how dominant Brock is, and we already know what a threat he is. This wasn't necessary for Lesnar. He didn't need it. Oh, well, we move on. <laughs> we will move on because I think I'm just I'm done tired and tired of talking about all this. Remember but, when we said we were just going to brush over this and briefly talk about it? Yeah, we're like half an hour into this. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, so... Done with the WWE talk for today, and we're going to be moving on to AEW. I got a Young yes. Bucks, I got a Funko Pop Young Bucks shirt <laughs> shirt on, just for the <laughs> occasion. Um, I'm very much looking forward to Revolution this Saturday. But before we get into predictions for that, we have to get into Dynamite, dig a little bit into this, and just talk about what we thought about it. Um, hey, I don't know about you, but I loved. That pack Ome- uh, Kenny Omega match to open the show. Oh my god, absolutely! I we've been building up pack for a while now. The, some of the promos he's been doing where he just looks like a crazy person. Now we finally get to see him in action. After a while now, I was actually a little skeptical to see how he was going to do, and he they both just beat the crap out of each other. It was awesome. I thought this was an amazing match, and I will dare say it was a match of the year contender of how good it was um because i've been saying for years kenny omega <coughs> is like one of if not the best wrestler in the world and now people on a wider audience on like regular regular tv because if you haven't really seen any of kenny omega for a fan who hasn't really seen any pay-per-view stuff of kenny omega this proved just how good he is and how good pack is too um it was kind of to end the feud between him and Pac and just for 35 to 40 minutes because we did go into sudden death this almost almost the first half of the show it was incredible that's Um, that's what makes this more amazing is this was the opening show this was the opening match of a free Wednesday night dynamite like are you kidding me this could go on any pay-per-view i would easily be just as good yes it was a pay-per-view quality match on t live tv free tv and it opened the show and i thought for sure this was gonna be like the main event of the show main event of the car that's why i watched it i'm like we got it in the opener i'm like oh dude this is great (laughs) it was a little strange to see the young bucks out there with kenny omega considering they are going to be opponents this saturday at revolution in chicago kenny being oh excuse me kenny being one half of the world tag team champions with hangman adam page we'll get to that segment a little bit later Mm -hmm. um again this is an example of a match where both guys looked great after the match Pack was being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Orange Cassidy came out because because of course he did. But, <laughs> I love him. But this this sets up kind of a reset for Pack to move on to something else and you know get back on track and maybe get in the title picture again someday. Um, 
I think my favorite spot in this match was the shooting star press onto the table. I was just about to say that. That that is the one shining beacon in a match <laughs> full of shining beacons. <laughs> I, I I didn't notice it at first, but I think it was Tony Schiavone on the commentary who pointed out there that the other half of the table just whacked Pack right in the face when it broke. <laughs> it I'm like, ooh, it damn. Because he didn't get all of it, Pack. He like he hit the first like the upper half of his body got it, but it's like, oh damn. I mean, sounded like it hurt. Sounded like it hurt. Oh yeah, I'm for, it for I'm sure for sure hurt. Um, but uh, Kenny selling in this match was great too. Like yeah, like absolutely. on on adrenaline, he was just trying to fire up in the end to get the one winged angel, which no one's ever kicked out of the one winged angel in New Japan or AEW, except for Kota Ibushi, which I think he did it in DDT. That's a fun little fact for all you guys out there. Um, the more you know. The more you know. <laughs> and knowledge is power. Um, so, again, Pac and Omega, I could watch them wrestle forever. But uh, it's good to kind of see them have this big blow-off match in this feud and move on, which is another great thing is we don't really get much TV feuds anymore when wrestling. Most of the time, it's just, okay, we're building to a pay-per-view and then another pay-per-view. It's nice to have TV feuds once in a while and just be like, yeah, let them settle it here, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm, and they killed it with this one. Yeah, again, this is like... This has been like one of my favorite matches of the year so far. It's a match of the year can uh can Hello. Right there lost connection on my mic. I'm here. Okay. I'm back. Uh, Sorry. Okay. I was I was terrified. I was like is this something on my end? Oh, no, God. no, no, it's okay. <laughs> and I really don't edit these things out either, so it's staying in there. Anyway, this is part this is part 2. This is the other end of the cut. <laughs> anyway, so what I was saying was before I got rudely cut off by myself was that this was a match of the year candidate for me and I loved this match. Um it definitely was definitely is uh just goes to show how good Omega and Pac are to show a broader, uh, uh, a wider audience how good they are, and just and just giving great pay per view quality matches on TV. You don't have to do it all the time, but doing stuff like this once in a while really, really hooks you. And I think a, a great example of last week with the steel cage match with Cody and Wardlow. Um, uh, the moonsault at the end was so oh, it was cathartic. It was amazing. He didn't even look. He just jumped. He did not even look. He, he didn't look blood on his face. He looked like a Co- Cody. And 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 my opinion, Cody Rhodes is the best baby face in pro wrestling right now. He's oh, the, without a he's doubt. the best Forget baby it. face in pro wrestling. Um, moving on to the whatever else happened in AEW. Um, try uh, to... it was the the I think the next match was a uh, Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny versus the best. best yeah, not a bad match. Pretty good. I like the little, I like the exchanges between uh, Orange Cassidy and the Bunny. Where she took his shades and then he took her bunny ears. The bunny ears, which was, I God, I love everything about him. Orange Cassidy, I I will be com- perfectly honest that I didn't know who he was until Double or Nothing came around. I didn't know who he was, but I'm like, this guy's hilarious. This guy is great. Um, one thing I was a little uh, shocked by, and going back a bit with the pack, uh, Tony Schiavone, <clears throat> Orange Cassidy segment was Taz came out of nowhere. 
I'm like, oh shit, there's Taz. What's Taz doing there? I know he's signed to AEW, yeah. and he's kind of the AEW dark guy with Excalibur. But, okay. In my opinion, mm-hmm. I said this a while ago. I think Taz should be on the commentary team on Dynamite. Yeah, I, that's fair. Because I like Shivani, I love JR, but I think you need to replace one of them with Taz. Like, if you're going to replace JR with... You're not going to replace JR. But if, no. you're, but if you replace JR with Taz, then you have Excalibur kind of be the main play-by-play guy. Or if you replace Shivani... Because I think... JR as he he is to me the greatest commentator of all time. No doubt about it. The best to ever do it. He's getting up there though. But it is like mm, it's kind of hard to listen to him sometimes. But but I yeah. think having a guy like Excalibur and having a guy like Taz with him help guide through I think would be an amazing job. And it showed last night. They all did a great job, uh the three of them. And they did a great job on the New Year's Day episode too. I I always thought Taz was a very underrated commentator. I I just want to hear more of him. I I love Taz when like because Taz was a commentator when I was still watching SmackDown like the the early aughts. And I think you know not that I have any complaints with the commentators of of AEW right now, but we we could fit Taz in there. Yeah, We're not gonna for replace sure. JR, like you mentioned, but yeah. you know we'll we'll find a way. Yeah, I mean Shivani, like you can still have Shivani be a big deal and be like an interviewer. Make him a producer backstage, you know, because clearly you have plans for him. I mean, I like Tony Schiavone, but he's kind of in the same boat as as Jr. right now. Like when I don't, I don't think Jay, I don't think Tony's as bad as Jr. Tony Tony Schiavone doesn't get his own segment on Botchamania. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But um, but anyway, I liked because uh, if you can use some kind of like an interviewing guy, and they used him for that throughout the night. Which I liked, and I guess it was kind of like a trial run of like, well, let's see how we do here. Um, because for me, I I've, love. I'm sorry, I keep coming. Go, go, no, go, no, go ahead. I just, I just want to say I love the interactions that Tony Schiavone has with Britt Baker. Britt Baker saying he has awful teeth and he's fat. I love Britt Baker. Britt, <laughs> I know you do. To, to me, Britt Baker should be the face of the AEW women's division. She should have beaten Riho. She's the one who brought up in the first place, where the hell have you been to Riho? Um, nothing against Nyla Rose. I think Nyla Rose is good and everything, but I don't think she should have been the one to beat Riho. Um, I tapped I tapped into something there. I tapped into a deep part of you there that I didn't expect. <laughs> no, dude, listen, I, I've been a fan of Rip Baker for a long time before anybody knew who the hell she was. So when I saw she got signed to AEW uh, a year ago when they announced AEW, I was super happy. And I remember I did like an AEW grab bag thing when uh, the TV TV first started. Uh, and when Jericho had officially announced who the inner circle was, uh, first of all, they crashed the website uh, with people ordering <laughs> the shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. But I had a grab bag thing where like, you know, you you select however many. It's like, it's like 10 bucks a shirt. <clears throat> And you get random shirts. And in that package, I got uh, a Nick and Matt Jacksonville shirt, like the Young Bucks shirt. Oh, that's so, bad. Eh, it's all right. <laughs> I kind of just wear it to work and just like underneath my uniform. Uh, <laughs> Cody's thro- uh, Thronebreaker shirt, which is a pretty cool shirt. I like it. 
And then, but the one shirt I was really hoping for is like, you know, I really hope I get Britt Baker's shirt. And I did. I did get Britt Baker's AEW shirt. The doctor will see nice. you. I'm like, yes. Because I think that's just, just just a badass shirt. Real quickly, AEW has great shirt designs. Uh, props to Dana Massey, Matt Jackson's wife, who does an amazing job with the merch. Uh, she designs all the t-shirts? I mean, she was designing the Young Bucks shirts for years, and when they started AEW, like she's like the chief uh, merchandising officer. Like she, she apparently like goes to each individual wrestler, talks about designs that they have, and and she works with them for like you know what do you think about this you know or think about this design or how about how about here you know we put this in this letter and like she works with every wrestler and and they get an idea and opinion. Whereas like you know in WWE they're just like here's a shirt we got for you. Wow, that sucks. Like, what do you what do you think the interaction was like when she went up to Orange Cassidy and she's like, "What do you want?" She's, he's just like, "I just want a picture of my face on the T-shirt." And that's really all you need. That's <laughs> like, all, and she's like, "Do you want anything?" No, just my face with the sunglasses. The high school, it is high school the graduate. best T-shirt they have. It's so cool. <laughs> I do want to get myself a Darby Allen shirt. He's got some pretty sick AEW shirts too. Mm-hmm. You know, but we'll get to Darby Allen a little bit later. Uh, moving on to the show, we also had this. And for me, I love this almost as much as I loved Omega and Pac's match. And that was the sit-down interview between Kenny Omega and Heyman Page, the AEW Tag Team Champions, against the Young Bucks and the Young Bucks, Nick and Matt Jackson, orchestrated by good old J.R. Jim Ross. This, yeah, that, go this, ahead. Was, this was fun to watch. This was great. Because there was clear tension between the Bucks and Hangman Page and Omega, and Omega's kind of like on the Bucks side, you know, like we're all they're like, you know, we're all friends. At the end of the day, we're all friends. He's like, but Matt's like, but I've lost too much sleep over that. We're the best tag team in the world, and we're gonna take those. And Hangman Page has been drinking. He's been on a drinking binge, and he's organically gotten over in the past number of months, and. Matt and Nick are pissed off at him. Like, what? What is with you lately, man? Like, you, like we brought you in, and like Nick just said, like you were a jobber in Ring of Honor, and we brought you into the Bullet Club, and now look at you, you're a star. And at first, I'm just like, whoa, guys, you're kind of taking a bit of a shot at Hangman. And Hangman Page is like, oh yeah, well the chip on my shoulder is this tag team champ because this is my the greatest accomplishment of my entire career, and I've been trying to get away from you guys and be my own star, but you keep pulling me in, and they're like, we're just, and then. It was a lot of tension, and for me, this is the match I'm most looking forward to on Saturday because you really don't know which way it's going to go. Um, is this going to end in a heel turn for somebody? Are we going to get new tag team champions? Are they going to retain the titles? And we'll get into our predictions with that match later on. But, um, but Nate, what, what's your take on this whole story with Omega and the Bucks and Hangman Page? I think it's great. Honestly, I think the way um, the the Bucks are obviously great. I think they are the best tag team in AEW right now. But sort of how Omega and Hangman Page kind of fell into the tag team uh, into the tag team titles, I think was was fine. You know, they have not the best chemistry, but they're both really good on their own. Hangman Page is actually my father's favorite wrestler. He just loves the gimmick nice. of he's just an alcoholic and he just doesn't <laughs> give a crap, which I like that too about him. Um, but you know, going back to the to the promos you were talking about in this most recent <laughs> AEW, you know, mm-hmm. Hangman is going off like I've worked so hard for this. Who do they think they are? And Kenny Omega is just staring 
out he, into the distance. He's like kind of like, like a sad son listening to mommy and daddy argue. Yeah, he's kind of like in the middle between this because Hangman's his tag team partner, but at the same time, the Bucks are his best friends. And and I know you haven't like uh, been watching them or have known about them as long as I have, um, but like I've been watching these guys for a long time. And again, Hangman Page was nobody until they brought him into Bullet Club and then the Elite formed it just like being the Elite made a star out of Hangman Page and he's been able to do stuff on his own to make himself a star in AEW and you do have to wonder where is this all going to turn out uh are the Elite going to split um are Hangman and, and Omega going to be able to coexist um, and another big thing in this match is like, you know, people are like, oh, well, the Bucks, because everyone said like, oh, well, the Bucks are going to book themselves to win the tag titles. And I mean, eventually, yeah, the Young Bucks are going to win the tag team titles and they are the head bookers of the company. But you have to realize they can't not win the tag team titles. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just a matter of time. Uh, if you had asked me three months ago, who would they have beaten? I probably would have told you the Lucha Brothers, which I yeah, think they're I, amazing as well. I figured we would have seen a feud <coughs> between the Lucha Brother, Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks at this point, but but I guess not. Um, but that's definitely a match I'm looking forward to this Saturday is Omega and Page versus the Bucks. Um, we didn't really get much of Cody and MJF. We just got a video package kind of re uh, showing everything, which, but I think that's fine because we got the big uh, victory in the cage match last week. We didn't really need to see Cody and MJF this week. Um, yeah, fair enough. I mean, we we already everything everything led up to that moonsault off of the steel cage. Now we're ready for the match, so yeah. I'm I'm perfectly fine with nothing this week. So yeah, there was a fun match between the Jurassic Express and um, Inner Circle. Darby Allen came in to try and get one over on Sammy Guevara. That was fun. Um, but the main event segment was uh, the weigh-in for John Moxley and Le Champion Chris Jericho, um, which I have to say really real quickly is that I loved when Jericho just dissed Kansas City and said Patrick Mahone's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. Like, Aaron love... Mahone sucks. Oh, Aaron Mahone. I'm sorry. Aaron Mahone. <laughs> I was like, dude, does he, does he know they literally just won the Super Bowl? Of course he knows. He's being a heel. <laughs> of course he knows. Um, I love their oh, little. Sorry. It's okay. I love their um, their sweat sweat outfits. The Painmaker Posse. The Painmaker Posse. <laughs> um, it was really cool. Like you know, like the inner circle were being like Jericho's cronies, as if that was like Mayweather or somebody walking down with. Uh, all their stuff. The only thing I wish they kind of wish they could have did was maybe no. You know I don't because it pisses me off when a champ a champion boxer's cronies are holding the championship titles for him. The champion should hold his championship, not his cronies. Anyway, uh, this segment was pretty good too. John Moxley coming in just being over as hell, red hot, white hot. John Moxley is right now the biggest baby face on the show. Jericho kind of refusing to, in a way, refusing to do the weigh-in. And then the brawl happens. Dustin Rhodes comes in, starts attacking Jake Hager. Darby Allen comes in, trying to get one on Sammy Guevara. But Sammy got one on Darby Allen. And uh, Moxley, like, busted open Jericho the hard way. And Jericho hitting uh, the uh, Paradigm Shift DDT onto Moxley, onto the scale. 
ending with Jericho holding up the title high. Um, overall, Nate, what was what did you think about this episode of Dynamite? And did you think this was a good go home uh, episode leading into Revolution this Saturday? I think that the past couple, like two or three weeks back, episodes of Dynamite leading up to this pay per view really made the pay per view like feel like it's incredibly important especially this show like it's everything with the weigh-in everything with you know pack and omega and especially last week with cody and wardlow like it's it's been incredible it's been a good time to be an AEW fan and i'm glad i'm glad you say that because i did mention before that i have been kind of behind AEW myself because i've been watching a lot of nxt because of the build to NXT TakeOver Portland, which is why I'm glad I have you here tonight with me to kind of fill in some gaps that I may not know or may not realize. Um, but I think with that being said, we should get into the AEW Revolution predictions. going to pull them up here for a second. Hailing from Chicago, Illinois this Saturday. And we're going to start things off here with the matches. Here we go. So, first, it uh, looks like it's going to be a pre-show match. We're going to have uh, SoCal Uncensored, SCU, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky with Christopher Daniels at their side. Ringside versus the Dark Order, consisting of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson with Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Um, real quick bonus question, though, here, Nate. Who do you think the Exalted One is going to be? Well, I mean, we have to find out at the end of this match, right? Be- Maybe. Because... Because, you know, it, they've already said SU is going to be joined by Chris Daniels. Every time the Dark Order has been involved, Chris Daniels is for some reason nowhere to be seen. Like, there was a there was a situation a couple weeks ago where the S, uh, SU had a match and the, the Dark Order uh, got on the Titan Tron. It's like, oh, blah, 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 Dark Order. And Chris Daniels was like, I'm going to go check on them. Make sure they don't bother you. And then he just didn't come back. So you're are you are you hinting that... Christopher Daniels could be the exalted one? I'm hinting he could be, but there's someone else that's been rumored that I think you also had in mind of being a potential uh, a potential pick. Um, I mean, I Matt Hardy. Yeah, broken Matt Hardy. I mean, it that's been the big running rumor for a while. I mean, Evil Uno even said this week that Chris I think Chris Daniels will be obsolete. I mean that's that's a direct yeah. <laughs> Easter egg yeah. to Matt Hardy. Um, obviously, I think Matt Hardy should be it. I think his contract will be over um, come this weekend. I mean, he has to be done with WWE because Randy Orton turned him off on TV twice. But uh, I think we both agree that we think Matt Hardy will be the exalted one. But who do you think is going to win the match here, Nate? Uh, SCU or uh, the Dark Order? I think that I think Dark Order winning would tie nicely into the reveal of the Exalted One. Here comes the Exalted One, and we just won the match. Now we begin our reign of terror through AEW with through whatever means we we have with the Exalted One now. So I think I think Dark Order takes this one. I agree. I'm also going to go with the uh, the Dark Order here. I think they've been really uh, for a while. They were looking pretty bad, and it was very worrisome. But um, I think they've been built up back pretty well. And uh, a win here, definitely, with the reveal of who the Exalted One can be, uh, definitely can help. And SCU can take the loss. They were the first ever AEW Tag Champs. Yeah, there's no problem there. And it, it, that's a th- they kind of have to reveal who the Exalted One is here because they've been building it up for a while. And it seems, you know, 
it it got to the point with the Dark Order was like, are we really not doing anything with this? Yeah. But uh, it'll be a nice reveal at Revolution. If they don't reveal it at Revolution, they probably don't care about the Dark Order anymore. So if they don't, it'll probably be on Dynamite on Wednesday. Yeah, but I mean, you've got a perfect opportunity to just drop a bomb in Matt Hardy right here. That's true. I don't see any reason to not do that. Okay. Anyway, so the next match, which was announced on Wednesday, uh, it's Pac versus Orange Cassidy. Nate, who who do you have and why? I just want to say before I say this, I love both of these guys to death for completely different reasons. They are on opposite ends of the AEW spectrum in terms of seriousness. Yes. One's super serious. The other is not serious at all. I have no idea what they're thinking with this match. I mean, I, I right off the bat, I don't think there's any conceivable way that Pac can lose this. No, absolutely it, not. He would look like such a doofus losing to Orange Cassidy, even if he uh, he tries, quote-unquote. Now he's going to try. Um, I, I think this is going to be either... I have no idea what they're what they're planning to do with this. I hope it's hilarious, but I think Pac takes this. There's no way he loses to Orange Cassidy in yeah. his first wrestling match. Yeah, I I have to agree for similar reasons. Uh, Orange Cassidy is just he's not a serious wrestler. He's very funny. That's his whole gimmick is that he doesn't care. And Pac is one who does care, is super competitive. And this is a thing where it can get Pac back up onto the the drawing boards, I guess, as a top contender. And just it'll just be a fun match. It'll be a fun match. Uh, Pac I, I am excited to see what they do with Cassidy here. Like, they bring him out, and then he doesn't care at the start. And then, like, as Pac's about to throw one over on him, then he powers up. He takes off the glasses, or he puts his hands in his pockets, and then he starts beating him up for a while. And then he's like, you know what? I'm done. I think, just, I, think we're gonna, I think we're going to kind of see some glimpses here and there of like him being serious, but nothing too crazy. I think they're going to save that for uh, somewhere down the line. Just give a little taste, you know? Yeah, build him up a little bit because you got so much. But I mean, Orange Cassidy is almost as over as John Moxley is to some people. Because like people, hey, that's, every that's a, time he's that on is a fair that is a fair assessment. Next up is the AEW Women's Championship match. Nyla Rose defending the championship against Chris Statlander. Who do you have for this? Uh, I I got Nyla Rose. As much as I love Chris Statlander, I don't think they've done enough with her and her character to really justify her being the champion. There's a ton of potential there, but like she's she's got this alien persona. It's like she does the thing with the finger. It's like is she an alien? Is she really an alien? Does she think she's an alien? And Nyla Rose is just kicking ass and taking names right now. I don't see any why she should retain here. Yeah, I've also I also have Nyla Rose. Damn, that's three for three. We're agreeing here. We share um, the same mind. Well, hopefully not. I hope for us to disagree on some of them. But but, but I think we will. But again, very similar reasons. Um, Nyla Rose just won the championship. Uh, I felt like Chris Statlander. I mean, I like her too, but I don't think they've done enough to build her up to be a, a threat for Nyla Rose's championship. Um, I've said numerous times I've been very critical of the AEW women's division. Not that that the women in the, in the division aren't good, because there are a lot of great women in the division, but there just something isn't clicking with the championship, with the women's division. I think Riho having the title off now is a good step in that direction. But um, yeah, I also have Nyla Rose just for similar reasons, like you said. Uh, and I think, oh, go ahead. like you mentioned before, they with Riho now, you know. 
we got a, a belt on a full-time AEW member. There, yes. there are women there. We mentioned Britt Baker. And the something we did mention on last week's, uh, or rather this most recent AEW, was the four-way between Shanna, Yuka Sakazaki... Um, Ikaru Shida. Oh, God. Ikaru Shida. Big Swole. And, and Big Swole. Big yeah, Swole, just, especially. That, yeah, Big Swole's great. And I love Ikaru Shida, too. I think they're both great. Um, but something has to click with the, with the fans and the audience. And there's just something that hasn't... It's Something's missing. Whatever it is, they need to find it and to make it work and click with the audience. And, just, and they've got that opportunity right there with Chris Statlander. If they can build her up, God knows she's a great wrestler, but they just... Something's and, just off, like you mentioned. And I think Britt Baker should be in this conversation, to be honest. I think she should be the champion right now because I think with someone like her, it can build the division up and make everyone else feel more important. Anyway, let's get into the next match. Uh, this one is a little harder to predict for me, but uh, we have Darby Allen taking on Sammy Guevara. Who do you have for this match and why? Yeah, this one's, this one's up in the air for me, too. All, all of the matches regarding uh, the Inner Circle are kind of up in the air for me because, you know, they're all tied to what happens with Chris Jericho and John Moxley, which we'll get to. Um, but for reasons that I, I think this is going to be a very fast match. They're both smaller guys, both very athletic, both very good wrestlers. Yeah, me too. But I think for no reason other than I just think this is what will happen, I think Darby Allen's going to take it over. Okay. Um... Yeah, I I've been going back and forth, back and forth for um for this. My my gut and my heart say uh Darby Allen, but a part of me also says Sammy Guevara too. Um but this is I think this match more than any other on the card could go either way. Yeah, there's a few that could go either way and you're not really sure which, but but you know what? I'm gonna keep the agreeing train going. I'm gonna go with Darby Allen as well because I just I love Darby Allen. I'm going with my heart here. I, I think he's he's phenomenal, and um, I think he's just a big gonna be a big big star one day. If he's up on the rise now and he's fantastic, but I think he has the potential to be like Rey Mysterio level big with like kids. That's how much potential he has. Oh yeah, he's got he's got that edge. He's got that cool edge. He rides a skateboard and he wears a blazer. <laughs> Which is something you don't really see in wrestling. You never really saw anybody with a skateboard. Who actually rides it? I, I think this match is going to end with some kind of going one way or the other. Yeah. Next up, uh, this inner circles inner circle members debut in AEW in the ring. You have Jake Hager taking on Dustin Rhodes. Who do you have for this one? I've got Jake Hager for this one. I think he's been not exactly waiting to prove himself. I feel like he's just been content kind of being Chris Jericho's uh, sort of muscle in the inner circle. But I feel like Dustin Rhodes would be a good win for him. It would start him up in case, God forbid, something happens to the inner circle and it ends up breaking up. I think Dustin Rhodes is, is a good stepping stone for him to sort of establish his own sort of singles potential. Plus, he's a big guy. He's a good wrestler. I feel like he needs to prove himself here. I also... Um, yeah, I also have uh, Jake Hager because, it, again, it's his first AEW singles match. Uh, you, definitely, you definitely need to make him look really, really strong and everything. Um, be, uh, I think a guy like Dustin will really help him get to that because even though Dustin's in his 50s, he's still putting on amazing matches. Um, again, Jake Hager definitely needs to look strong here. Um, 
I don't really play into too much with the old inner, other inner circle matches. Like I said, I picked Darby Allen for my previous prediction, but I think Jake Hager will win. He kind of has to win here, Jake Hager. Just yeah, exactly. not much else to say. Next for the AEW Tag Team Championships, the challengers Nick and Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks, taking on the champions Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. Nate, who do you have for this? I think this is as cut and dry. Uh, maybe maybe not as cut and dry as versus Chris Satlander, but I think given everything that's happened up to this point with Adam Page, Adam Page is going to mess up one more spot. Kenny Omega is going to just be done with it. The Young Bucks are going to win, and Hangman Page turns heel. God damn, dude. It's like you're, you're taking everything <laughs> I want to say and just saying it. <laughs> well, I mean, you've, you've, you've mentioned that before. You think Hangman, Hangman Page is going to turn heel. I, I, I do. I'm a long-time and... listener of but <laughs> you know, I think everything everything's going to come to a head at at Revolution, and I, I I see no reason why the Bucks can't take it. And Hangman Page is just going to walk I, off beer in hand and say, "F all of you, I'm doing my own thing." I think I think so too. I do think the Young Bucks are going to win the tag titles. I think it's at this point it's fine. This frees up Kenny and Hangman to be singles guys again, and maybe a feud between Hangman and, and Kenny. I don't know. Some people have kind of speculated, well, why does Hangman have to be the one to turn heel? What if Kenny turned heel? And to be honest, I don't think Kenny's kind of in that direction, especially with the amazing match he just had this past Wednesday. I think Hangman's more in line to turn here, or at least really distance himself from the elite. Um, so I also have the Young Bucks to win, become new AEW Tag Team Champions. Uh, next up, all right, sounds good. Next up, we have that despicable little bastard MJF with Wardlow in his corner against everybody's favorite wrestler, except my buddy Joe's, Cody Rhodes, uh, with Arn Anderson in his corner. Nate, who do you have for this and why? <laughs> well, uh, I think Cody winning would be the the logical step given everything that's happened the past three to four weeks. Cody has literally bloodied himself to get this match with this little he's just such a little he you love to hate his face he's got one of those hateable faces mjf you ever you ever see someone on tv or like a villain or a bad guy or just like i just dislike his face yeah mjf i just hope i just hope <laughs> he's Cody the villain gives him 10 crossroads and hits him with five moonsaults Wow, you picked Cody. This is the one we're actually disagreeing on. I picked MJF. Really? Yes, because wow. because for my thinking is this. Cody, I think, has done everything. He, he We've built up so much sympathy for him. We want, yes, we want to see him defeat MJF. But I think MJF is still a guy where you can still get a lot of heat on him by having him beat Cody. Because I see this scenario happening. I see MJF beating Cody this weekend on Saturday. I eventually see MJF winning the AEW championship, and I eventually see Cody beating MJF for the AEW championship. As much as I don't think Cody wants to put the championship on himself, I don't think that's what he wants to do, but I think as far as a story, it's a great story because, one, MJF is the one who cost him the championship in the first place. He put the stipulation on himself that he will not ever uh, wrestle for the championship again. How sweet would it be and more of a satisfying moment that Cody beat the guy who cost him the championship in the first place and he took the championship from that same person. So that's why I think MJF is going to win and I think it's going to lead to something even bigger down the line. 
So you're thinking really long term with this route. Really long term. Maybe like maybe all out MJF wins the championship and maybe we, we build it to like revolution or double or nothing next year. Like really, really long term. Drag this out. Okay. That's that's a fair assumption. I mean, you explained it very well, but the way the reason I think Cody it, I think Cody's going to win. It goes back to how I view MJF as a hero. If you look at if you look at someone like Chris Jericho, Excuse one me. of the reasons he's a heel, yes, he's an asshole. There's my one curse word. Um, asshole's fine. You can say as much as you yeah. want. All right, cool. Um, yeah, Chris Jericho is an asshole, but he's also got the 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 championship on him. He's got you know that circle around him, that inner circle around him. He's got that heat. On him, just he's built himself up to be this uh, greater than thou god of AEW. MJF, I feel like he's just he's just a he's just a prick and nothing else. Like if he loses to Cody, he's still going to be a prick. He's still going to be that I am better than you. I'm going to wear this diamond ring in my scarf. I hate the scarf. The scarf is it's just a bad looking scarf. He's going to still walk around. Yeah, I lost to Cody, but whatever. I'm still the best wrestler in. AEW because because fuck you. There. Can I say that? Well, I'm not gonna edit it out. There's two F bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool. That's right. that's the one. We got one each. Okay. But um but I I I hadn't really thought about the the Cody MJF dynamic the way you did. Now I'm thinking about it, it, it would I could see this going sorta of either way now. Sorry to drag this on, but it's it's no, it's, okay. it's gonna be interesting. I don't know. I mean, that's. I just see very much long term for this story. I don't think it's over. They may t- take a breather on it for now and then revisit it down the line, but I think there's more to tell with this story with Cody and MJF. Anyway, so fine. Okay. So finally, the main event: Le Champion Chris Jericho defending the title against John. Mo- I'm sorry, John. Moxley, my yeah, horrible you, just, just, gonna, Justin gonna... Roberts impression. Anyway, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, AEW Championship. Who do you have and why? Oh, I think we're going to disagree on this one too. Let's see. This match, this match. If both of these guys have pros and cons to them winning. Mm-hmm. You got John Moxley winning. That means Chris Jericho no longer has the belt. The inner circle breaks up. Doesn't mean um, they have to break up. Kind of, yeah, but that the championship definitely does something to that dynamic. It, it does, guys, and the, ca- the the championship itself is a big part of Jericho's character. Exactly, exactly. But if you have Chris Jericho retain, John Moxley, we've mentioned you know several times on this podcast, he is maybe the most one of the most over baby faces in the company. If you have John Moxley lose to Chris Jericho, other than Kenny Omega, who could you possibly put up against Jericho to take that title? Not sure. So you say you're going to go with John Moxley? I'm going to go with John Moxley. I feel that like going back to some of the other matches, I feel like Guevara's going to lose, but he's already got enough enough under his belt to the point where he could probably branch out on his own. He'll probably be okay as a guy. Jake Hager needs to win because that's his stepping zone, stepping stone. Sorry to have him become his own singles guy. Obviously, Santana and Ortiz are fine. Uh, that just leaves Jeff Cobb. That's the thing. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Cobb could get involved in the match. If he does. Because if you asked me three weeks ago, I think John Moxley uh, takes it easy. 
But you throw Jeff Cobb into the mix and, you know, thinking about the inner circle guys and where they're headed, Jeff Cobb is the only one where I'm like, well, if, you know, the inner circle breaks. And again, that's not necessarily meaning the inner circle is going to break up. But if it does break up, you know, what do you do with Cobb? You know, he's kind of following the belt. So you can't have Jericho lose the belt yet. You need to build up Jeff Cobb first. But on the other hand, Chris Jericho's had it a long time. I think it, I think we're ready. I think the fans are ready to have John Moxley take the title. It, it it could go either way, but I think I think Moxley would take it. I have been struggling back and forth, back and forth with this one because this is another one that's really really hard to predict. For a while, I've been saying Jericho. Um, recently, I have been saying Moxley, but I've been going back and forth, and I'm trying to think what would be better. Like, on the one side, you have the argument of Moxley being like, he's super over, why not do it while the iron's hot and just put the title on him? Uh, another thing is, save it until uh, Double or Nothing, where it's like a year that he debuted in the company um, and had the championship there. But the thing is, it's the question is, what do Jericho and Moxley do after if one doesn't win the title, because if Jericho loses, what do you do? Which I mean, you can do a rematch, obviously between the two. But if Moxley loses, um, I think this is the only way it can work this way. Yes, strike while the iron's hot. But kind of thinking about NXT Takeover Portland recently, with Champa just winning, just barely beating Cole and being screwed out of by Johnny Gargano. I think. Because we have not seen Jeff Cobb, I'm going to go with Jericho here. I think the inner circle are going to get involved. I think they're going to screw Moxley out of the title. As the weeks go on in AEW Dynamite, Moxley is going to target every single member of the inner circle and just beat the living shit out of them and demand Jericho a rematch at Double or Nothing where there is where Moxley will take the title. It will be a sweeter moment, a bigger moment, a year to when he debuted in the company and he left the WWE and he's in this company where he's happier now and he finally wins the championship and he feels like a big effing deal again. So Jericho to win and retain for now. But again, like the Cody MJF match, I have bigger plans here because I, I truly, I think that Moxley will win the title. I think he's going to win it at double or nothing. And I think that eventually MJF won the title from him and Cody won the title from MJF and so forth. That's where I think this is all going. I think this is leading to a much bigger plan. I think AEW have bigger plans in their mindset. So, yeah, I'm going with Jericho to retain. But again, I could be wrong here because we were just saying John Moxley is super over right now. I wouldn't be against them putting the title on him on Saturday. Uh, I, I think it, like you mentioned, it boils down to well, you have, you've got really long boils down to Jeff Cobb. They're gonna they're gonna not solely around Jeff Cobb, but he's a big part of this. You're, so you're going, John Moxley is going to go full anime protagonist. He's going to lose everything, I, and then he's going to build himself up all the all the mini bosses week to week I, until he finally ends up yeah, at the top I, of the mountain. I, I think yes, I am putting into that perspective. Yes, I think that. Moxley will get screwed out of the title in some shape or form because I think if Jericho beats Moxley clean then that just that hurts Moxley I think and where does it leave because because then if because if Jericho beats Moxley clean Moxley doesn't have any uh grounds for a rematch 
He he, well, he has the only thing he might have is I only have one eye. Fight me while I have two eyes. But that's really, really <laughs> insignificant. Like, really? Yeah. Is that what you're going to go with? I know. And, and that's the thing. I think that the inner circle are going to get involved, whether if it's just Jeff Cobb or it's the whole inner circle throughout the match. I think they're going to get involved. And I think they're going to screw Moxley out of the title. And I think they're going to save it for the big babyface win at Double or Nothing. Because Double or Nothing is their WrestleMania. And I think that's where you should save the big, uh, the big match for, the big victory. All right. So that's... Uh... I, I'm still going to be debating back and forth for the next day. Like I could see either. Of them. I, 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 see I can either too, of them. but they're locked in, man. They're locked in on the internet. That's, uh, we got the, we got the picks. The internet has heard them. Okay. Anyway, uh, thank you, Nate, so much for coming on the pod, dude. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you could finally do this. Um, this, uh, I'm excited for this pay-per-view, man. I, I cannot wait. Um, I will not, unfortunately, be watching live. I have a prior engagement that I need to uh, go attend. But Uh-oh. I, yeah, I know. Boo, boo me, boo these people. I really don't want to. Nothing's go. more important than your wrestling. Yeah, I know, but I kind of have to go anyway. <laughs> um, but I'll be probably streaming it, watching it the following day. So if you will be watching it live, I just ask, please don't text me what happens. All right, fair enough. It was a pleasure to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me on of course I'd love to be back unless absolutely I'd love to be back unless I was terrible and no you me forever you were fun it was great you are more than welcome to come back anytime Nate oh sorry I missed that I, <laughs> you started your compliment and then the microphone cut out okay I said that um <laughs> I said you were great you were you were more than welcome to come back anytime is what I said Oh, well, thank you very much, CJ. All right, man. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening. I'd like to, again, once again, thank my friend Nate for coming on, talking about AEW and the travesty that was Saudi Mania, Super Showdown, wherever you want to call it. Uh, please be sure to like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor.fm, um, AEW. So- I'm sorry? I was just gonna say, follow me on at Nate Almeida. Shameless plug. Sorry. It's okay. You can follow. Yeah, follow him at, at on Twitter at Nate Almeida, and follow me on Twitter. I guess at CJ underscore twelve fourteen. And thank you again once uh, once again, guys, for listening. Uh, for my friend Nate and CJ Palmasano, we will see you all next time.